You're all very quiet. The power of the Lord is resting on you this morning. And um, yeah, we're in this series of Standing Firm. And I'm just going to go straight into Scripture. I'm going to be reading from uh, Philippians 1, uh, from verse 12. It's Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Amen. Paul, who for a time was known as a persecutor of believers, now finds himself in chains for Christ. He writes this letter to his close friends in Philippi from his house arrest in Rome as he awaits his court appearance. And if we look more into the character of Paul, he is quite an intense guy. You can imagine him being a bit of an intense character. We can, can see that he's just really passionate and just going all out for the gospel, going all out for Christ. But what I love about him is that whatever happens to him, wherever he finds himself in the hardships and the sufferings, he continues to stand firm. And as you journey through the book of Acts, we see the sufferings that he went through. He was kidnapped, he was beaten, he was flogged, he was threatened, arrested many times. He was accused, interrogated, ridiculed, ignored, shipwrecked, 
He was bitten by a viper, yet he continues to stand firm in who he is. He stands firm in his calling. He stands firm in the mission. He stands firm in the faith of the, of the gospel. And he stands firm by remembering his transformation, which we see in Acts chapter 9. Amazing passage. Acts 9, Saul, who is now Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there, any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could, he could see nothing. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. The Lord then led Ananias to meet Saul to restore his sight. Acts 9 verse 17, Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. That was Paul's transformation. Can you remember your transformation? Can you remember that moment or maybe you are ready this morning to be transformed. Paul remembered his life as Saul. He remembered that he was once blind, but now he sees. And he stands firm by knowing deep down in his soul who the person was who transformed his life. Acts 9, verse 5. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. It was Jesus that transformed his life. It was Jesus that called him out of the darkness and brought him into his marvelous light. And the amazing news for all of us today is the same Jesus Christ that appeared to Paul and many other people in the Bible that appears to us and transforms our lives today. It's the same Jesus Christ who is reaching millions of people around the world. It's the same Jesus Christ who wants to use you to advance the gospel. It's the same Jesus. And Paul writes to his friends in Philippi explaining that what has happened to him has really served to advance the gospel. That's good news. What has happened to him has really served to advance the gospel. See, according to the Roman custom, Paul would have not been alone under his arrest. He would have been bound by the hand with a soldier day in and, and night. Day and night, bound by a soldier guard who was keeping watch over him. And these soldiers were members of the palace guard. The soldiers who were bound to the hand of Paul, they were going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was not going to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus. He was not going to stop sharing the good news. And so these soldiers, their lives were transformed. These lives are transformed. This is why the gospel was being advanced. Even though Paul's there in chains, he's chained to a, a soldier. That soldier's hearing the good news, even though Paul's in chains, and the gospel continues to spread. Amazing. And I want you to know this morning that the gospel always wins. 
The gospel always wins. Jesus continues to be victorious. His name is far more powerful than any chain in your life. His name remains to be higher than any situation in your life. His name is greater than the greatest problem you face in your life. See, we might find ourselves in prison in some way. We might find ourselves in chains in some way. We might feel that we are fighting by ourselves in some way, but God may just have you right where he wants you to advance the gospel. As Paul says, Philippians 1 verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul knows that the enemy is at work. And the enemy wants to disturb the church. He wants to divide the church. He wants to invade our mind. He wants to invade our spirit. Satan is known as the father of lies. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. There is an enemy still at work today. This is why we need to be alert and ready and this is why Paul calls the church to stand firm. Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Then when either I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened by those who oppose you. So, how do we apply this today in our lives? How do we stand firm when we are really up against it? How do we, the church, continue to stand firm together? Firstly, stand in one spirit and with one mind. The King James Version of Philippians 1.27, he says, Stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Each one of us here, we're being fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love how different we are from one another. Hundreds of characters, personalities in this room, united together. We've got various gifting, filled with beautiful behaviors, attitudes. And we come together each week from all around the world. It was amazing last year to highlight in our international celebration service, over 30 nations uniting together. And that continues to happen week in and week out. How has this happened? Why does this continue to happen? Because it is the greatest story of all, which continues to unite us powerfully together as one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus, his son, who has broken down the division between one another through his death and resurrection. And we today have united together to praise God for what he has done. We continue to give thanks for his love, for his grace, his kindness, and his goodness. We give him all the glory for how he has turned our lives around. We stand firm together as one believing, I was once lost, but now I am found. We stand together as one today believing, I was blind, but now I see. We stand together as one today saying, I was living in darkness, but he has brought me into his marvelous light. That is how we unite together as one, in one spirit and with one mind. Jesus has brought us from a place of separation to a place of reconciliation. And standing firm means that we do not hesitate, we do not stumble, or we are not easily moved by that message. 
We stand firm, strongly holding on to the gospel message, standing firm on the transformation, what Jesus Christ has done in me and through me. Do not stumble from that. Do not hesitate from that. Whatever the world is saying about you, whatever the world is trying to drag you into, stand firm in the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. That is the one most important thing that matters in your life. Do not let the gospel go out of your life. Do not let the good news of Jesus Christ go out of your life. There is an enemy to come and kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. You need to believe that with all of your heart if you are going to stand firm against the world today. We've got to continue as the church to walk by faith and not by sight. It means we've got to continue to meet together, praying together, breaking bread together. We need to keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit together. We need to keep on listening and learning from one another. We need to keep on speaking the word and the promises of God over one another. That's what it means to stand firm. We stand firm in one spirit, with one mind. Even though I walk in the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. We stand firm in one spirit and with one mind that God is for me, so who can be against me? We stand firm in one spirit and with one mind that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We stand firm in one spirit with one mind that with God all things are possible. We stand firm in one spirit spirit and with one mind that Christ will build his church and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. We stand firm in one spirit and with one mind that God wants to do a new thing among us. We stand firm in one spirit and with one mind that God is Jehovah Jireh, that the Lord will provide for us. We stand firm in one spirit with one mind that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We stand firm in one spirit and with one mind that Jesus Christ remains to be our living hope. We stand firm in one spirit with one mind reminding one another that Jesus Christ remains to be our firm foundation. That's what it means to stand firm. Whatever happens this year, whatever we go through, whatever trials, tribulations, suffering, I urge us all to never give up sharing, speaking the word and the promises of God over one another. They are not for the people back then. They are for us right now today. And Jesus Christ calls us to build our life on his word, on him. There's a story in the Bible where there are two people who are building houses. And these houses are built very differently. They're built by two minds. And we find it from Matthew 7. Come on, Matthew 7. 24, Jesus says this amazing story. Seven, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The stream rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against it that house and it fell with a great crash. The most important feature of, it, of the house is its foundations, and we only really begin to see the importance of the foundation when storms come. This year, 
We will face storms. We will face challenges. There will be battles. And they will come in various ways. They'll come through misunderstandings. They'll come through disappointments, doubts, trials, temptations, setbacks, failures, financial pressures, struggles in relationships. We will have storms. But I am confident of this. If you build your life on the word, on the promises of the Lord, then you will not fall. You will not fall. When the rain came, when the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, the house built on the rock did not fall. The church is not the building. It's us, the people, the body of Christ. And each one of us are living stones. And Christ will continue to strengthen us, equip us, use us, do something new amongst us as we stand in one spirit and in one mind, building our lives on him, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Stand firm in one spirit and in one mind. Secondly, stand firm, striving together side by side for the gospel. The translation says in verse Philippians 1, verse 27, stand firm with one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the gospel. In Genesis 11, we see the whole world had one language and had a common speech. And the people who were the survivors of the flood at the time of Noah came together as one and built this tower that would reach to the heavens. This was known as the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis 11, verse 4, they say, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves. And not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came and said, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. The Lord scattered them from there over the face of the whole earth. The people were in one language and in one culture who were striving side by side to build their own greatness. To build something spectacular. And it would be an amazing, amazing achievement for sure. But their purpose was to be noticed. Look at what we've created. Look at what we've built. Striving together side by side for the gospel means that each of one of us plays our part in bringing honor and glory to the Lord. It means we join in one spirit with one mind not to lift our name high, but to lift his name high. It means we join in one purpose, and that is to make Jesus Christ known. It means each one of us playing our part in doing something that nobody else sees. Striving together side by side, going out of our own way for someone. Putting in the extra mile. Living in the way of love, compassion, kindness towards others. Not to make ourselves look good, but to simply show Jesus. And as the Apostle Paul goes on to say in Philippians 2 verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Striving together side by side for the gospel looks like honoring Jesus in our living, magnifying his name, living a life of showing that we have this desire and hunger to be with him. Amazing how Paul says these words 
in Philippians 1 from 12 to 30. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. See, for the world today, death is an enemy. But for believers today, for believers in the Lord, it is a victory. Because we believe that Jesus defeated death. We believe that God raised Jesus from the grave. We believe that he ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so because he has sat down, we today can stand up. We can stand our ground. Stand firm in believing in the final words Jesus declared on the cross. It is finished. He has done it. He who did not sin became sin for you and I. He took that penalty for us. Jesus, the Son of God, has been that one sacrifice for us so that we can have a relationship with God always. So where or death is your victory? Where or death is your sting? Today, we're all living and breathing, and God has called us right where we are for such a time as this. And so I say to each one of us, it is necessary. It is necessary for your friends, for your neighbors, for your colleagues, for whoever you are in connection with. It is necessary for many people that we continue to remain in the body living for Christ. It is necessary for that one friend for you to stand firm in the faith of the gospel. It is necessary for that one friend for you to stand firm in the word of God. It is necessary for that one friend for you to stand firm in the hope of Jesus. It is necessary for that one friend that you stand firm in the God of all comfort. It is necessary that we all stand firm, striving together for the good news of Jesus Christ. Stand firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving together side by side for the gospel. For the gospel. For Jesus Christ. And we will face opposition. We will face opposition in some kind of way. But my final point I want to say to us this morning, stand firm by taking courage in the face of opposition. Stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Take courage. Stand firm. Take courage in the face of opposition. Desmond Doss, it was an American soldier who trained to be an army medic but went into World War II refusing to hold a rifle. He was assigned to an infantry rifle company and his refusal to carry a weapon caused a lot of trouble among the camp and among his fellow soldiers. While everyone else was going in to kill lives, Doss only went in to save lives. He carried the commandment very powerfully, thou shall not kill personally, along with keeping the Sabbath. He asked if he could take a weekly pass to attend church, and for him this would have been a Saturday. This meant he had strikes against him, he would do extra guard duties, he would get the worst jobs, his fellow soldiers would call him out, beat him as he was very different from everyone else. His commanding officers also wanted him gone from the unit as they just saw him as a liability. Doss ended up facing a battle before going into a battle. And 
he ended up being the unexpected hero as eventually he got the pass into the army as an army medic and he was the unexpected hero as the troops were driven off Hacksaw Ridge against the Japanese. Doss stayed up there saving 75 lives, including some of the enemy. And his prayer while he was up on that ridge was, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. Doss may have not expected to go through such opposition within his own camp and fellow soldiers. And there can be times where we have to go through an unexpected battle to face the battle. Even when others think that you shouldn't be there. Just like in the situation with Doss, fellow soldiers and office commanders thought, Doss, you don't belong here. How can I trust you if you're not going to carry a weapon? How can I rely on you? How can you work with me going into battle if you're not going to carry a weapon? There are times in life when people think you shouldn't be there. But actually, it's exactly where God wants you to be there. So stand firm and take courage for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, God had the Apostle Paul exactly where he needed him to be. And as we choose to follow Jesus, as we choose to live for him, we can take courage that he has us exactly where he wants us to be, believing that his plan and purpose will be made made known in us and through us. One of the most common phrases in the scripture is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We read it time and time again throughout the whole Bible. And we experience fears. I experience fears. I still go through fears. I fear about getting it wrong. I get afraid coming up here every week. Because look who I'm talking to. I'm joking. I do. I get, I get afraid. And whatever our fears are, we can still take courage. Because the Bible says that the Spirit of God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and discipline. And the Bible talks about a healthy healthy fear, and this is the fear of God. And Nicky Nicky Gumbel just explains this beautifully, so I'm going to use him. Nicky Gumbel says that this does not, fear of God, it does not mean being frightened of God. In fact, it means the opposite. It is an understanding of who God is in relation to us. It means respect, reverence, awe, honor, adoration, and worship. It could even be translated as love for God. It recognizes the power, majesty, and holiness of God Almighty. It leads us to a healthy respect of God and is the antidote to all other fears and phobias we experience in this life. Fear God, and you need not fear anything else or anyone else. So our challenge is all in this season, this year, to take courage by walking in the fear of the Lord. This is what Paul did. He remembered his transformation and who transformed, and who transformed his life. On his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he heard that voice say, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. So I say to us today, whatever happens, conduct yourselves manner, in a manner worthy of the gospel. And as Paul says, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together side by side for the faith of the gospel without being frightened by those who oppose you. Say to us today, stand firm in one spirit, 
with one mind. Stand firm, striving side by side together for the gospel. Stand firm by taking courage by those who oppose you. We can do all things through Jesus Christ that strengthens us. Heavenly Father, I invite your Holy Spirit right now. Spirit of the living God, move amongst your people who you love so dearly right now. Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you for saving my life, for transforming my life, for bringing me out of the darkness and bringing me into your marvelous light. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll seal something in hearts and minds today. Seal something of your word. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me today. Spirit of the living God, seal something in me today. Holy Spirit, drive out any fear. Drive out any lie. Fill hearts and minds with your love and power and strength, I pray. 